The inspiration from the sermon this morning comes from a most unlikely source. After almost 13 months of various degrees of quarantine and lockdown, uh, I have discovered the blessing of Netflix. Now, Netflix I've discovered, I'm going to show you a little bit of insight into my understanding of Netflix. Um, Netflix is at its very, very best if you never go beyond the first season of a show. Just my opinion, but I'm sticking to it. The show that I was watching, and I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts, I promise, but the show that I was watching, and I only watched the first season, was a show called Messiah. Don't know if you've seen it. It's interesting. And it actually brings out, draws the question that I wanted to share with you in the few moments we have this morning. So it goes like this. Now, when I was a uh, much younger version of myself, and I was in Jewish day school, then for high school, I went to yeshiva, and then I went to other more accelerated forms and advanced forms of Jewish study. One of the things that I realized early on in my Jewish education, and as it progressed, were all the things that we actually didn't study. Which is to say that my education, which eventually prepared me for the, for the rabbinate, was heavily, heavily weighed down. Not with biblical studies, surprisingly not. It was overwhelmingly weighed with both rabbinic law and Talmudic study. And so for large swaths of my early education, we had very little exposure to biblical studies apart from the weekly Torah portion. And it was only much later in my life when I went for my BA and afterwards that I began to become more deeper exposed into the other areas of biblical literature. And so something from this morning's Haftorah reading jumped out at me and I want to share it with you. The story goes like this. In the Haftorah, and to be honest with you, most people, and by people I mean rabbis, <laughs> most rabbis spend very little time talking about the Haftorot. And the reason why they don't is because the Haftorah was an addition that came in into the Torah reading much later after the institution of actually reading the Torah. The, the dating back of the reading of the Torah, if we were to put a finger on it and say this is when it started, you could roughly say about 2,600 years ago. The exiles return after the destruction of the first temple from Babylon. They rebuild the second temple. Ezra the scribe, big moment. It's all in the book of Nehemiah, fifth chapter, if you're really curious. The story of reading the Haftorah comes much later, a few centuries later, in fact. When the Greeks began to take over the areas of where the land of Israel is, it's a story of Hanukkah, by the way, and the Greeks forbade the Jews from a number of things. One of them is performing circumcision. The second is reading the Torah in public. So Jewish tradition developed that if we couldn't read the Torah in public, they started reading sections of the prophets publicly, that they felt mirrored the message of the Torah reading for that given week. The Greeks are long gone in terms of oppressing Jews, but the institution of reading both the Torah and the Haftarah still exists today because Jews remember. We don't forget. So the Haftarah for this morning tells us, brings us into the story of Elijah the prophet's great disciple. His name is Elisha. There is a non-Jewish general. His name is Naaman. He's a general for a king in the Aramean area. 
and he is stricken with leprosy. And it is absolutely destroying him. Both his ability to do his job and his social standing because leprosy eats your skin. His wife hears that there's a miracle maker for the Jews. His name is Elisha and he can cure anything. Naaman hears this. He gets on his horse and he goes to Elisha. I'm leaving out sections of the story. If you want to read more, you can read more. I just want to make my point. He gets in his horse. He goes to Elisha. Elisha says to him, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to the Jordan River and you're going to dunk seven times. And then you're going to be cured. Now, Amman becomes angry at him because truth of the matter is, he says, why do I have to go dunk? I came all this way. And you want me to dunk in the river? By my house, he said, I got great rivers there. I didn't need to come all the way here to dunk in the Jordan River. Elisha says, this is what you have to do. So he goes through the Jordan River, dunk, 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 dunk seven times. And he comes out of the water. And as he begins to step out of the water, the leprosy that was covering his body and his skin is all gone. And he turns to Elisha and he falls on the ground. And he says, Baruch Elohei Yisrael. Blessed is the God of the people of Israel. I will bless and worship no other God but this God. He's a true convert, no question. And he goes on now for verses and verses and verses, ringing the praise of the God of the people of Israel, of how he will be exclusive, a monotheist, and worship no other God. And then time passes and time passes, and then a little bit later, this is what he says. He says, but he says this one thing. God the God of the people of Israel will forgive me when I go back home and I have to go into the temple of the God of Ramon to give offerings, I'll do it. But I know that God, the God of Israel, will forgive me. You ever heard of the expression survivor's glee? You know what survivor's glee is? When you go through a really scary moment in your life, you make all kinds of promises and then a little while after it, things go back to normal. You're not so changed anymore, right? There's lots of examples of survivor glee. The question that emerges from the Haftorah, which is one of the most critical questions, is what makes faith? Is it the big moments in life? The shocking things that move the earth and the sun and the stars? Is that what creates faith? Because the truth of the matter is if you read the story, just but a few hours after he moves out of the Jordan River, he's not so sure he's so exclusive to the God of the people of Israel. So when it comes to how do you believe, how do you have faith, what makes it? Is it the big things or the little things? Now we as a generality like to um, super attribute things to God. We like to say, well, the pandemic is from God, or the earthquake was made by God, or the hurricane was made by God. God gave me cancer. I hear that all the time. God parted waters. God makes earthquakes. We hear that all the time. But the truth of the matter is, is that this super 
involving of God in powers is always suspect. And I'll tell you why. On one hand, of course, did you ever ask yourself why is it that Jews never have pilgrimages to the Red Sea? There is absolutely no mitzvah, no commandment in Judaism for Jews to go to the Red Sea where the waters were parted when the Israelites have left Egypt. Because it is an ongoing symbol, the Red Sea is, that big miracles don't change people. Not only that, as an aside, if you base your religion on big miracles, you're in for big trouble. Because there's always a religion that's going to claim it has a bigger miracle than your miracle. Which is kind of the punchline of the first season of Messiah anyway, I'm just saying. Over the course of my life, what I have come to understand is the way that we find faith, the way that we believe, is not in the big moments. Because they make a big sound, but they go away really fast. The way that we find faith and meaning in life is in the small everydayness of how we live. It is understanding not that God is going to change the world that I live in, but that my faith in God will change me in the world that I live in. It is found in inspiring me and other people to be the best people that we can be, even in the most difficult of circumstances, but maybe even more importantly, in the everydayness of our lives. It could be that in any moment of your day, there are three or five or ten little moments that you can express what it means to have faith and belief in this world and that you don't need an earthquake or a miracle of curing leprosy walking out of the water to make you believe. Because belief isn't something that you prove. Belief is something that you feel. I want to share a story with you. It came to me years ago by the author Rabbi Harold Kushner. Kushner is probably best known to you for the best-selling book that he wrote decades and decades ago after the death of his young son. It's called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Rabbi Kushner shared this story with me, and I want to share it with you. When his son was ill, he was working in a small conservative congregation about an hour and a half, two-hour drive from Boston called Natuck. And uh, there was an opening position in a large conservative congregation within Boston itself. And his wife and him were very excited at applying for the job because the son required constant medical attention in the hospital. And the two-hour drive, four hours in total back and forth, was incredibly draining and difficult. And so he applied for the job, he went for the interview, he went to a Shabbat at the shul, he did the whole thing, and then the week comes and goes and he gets a call from the president of the congregation telling him that he didn't get the job. It was given to somebody else. He was heartbroken. And his wife was devastated. An hour or two later, he gets a phone call from a friend of theirs he says, tell your wife and you to get dressed. We're going to come by and pick you up for dinner in an hour and a half. He goes, no, 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 I don't feel like going out for dinner now. Now's not the time. He goes, too bad. We're showing up. We're knocking on the door, so you might as well get dressed. Pick them up. They go to dinner. They order a bottle of wine, a second bottle of wine, a third bottle of wine. 
the friends dropped them off at their house. And the next morning, Harold Kushner woke up and he realized what his friends had done. Howard Kushner told me that he realized on that morning that the miracles that God makes in this world are the people he sends us. His friends were telling him that even though he didn't get the job, he's still very much loved. I promise you there is at least three or four moments every day that you live that you can do the very same thing. It's not the big moments. It's the small ones. Shabbat shalom.